Good morning. Thank you for having me here today. If you do not know, I am Katrina. I am your C3 missions on the streets of Detroit. So I want to tell you a little bit about what I do. I am a full-time missionary at Ellie's House. Ellie's House is a faith-based nonprofit organization committed to helping the people in Detroit who are involved in forced prostitution, drug addiction, and homelessness. The different thing about Ellie's House is there are two main components in it. We have our street outreach. Um, on our street outreach, we go out on the streets of Detroit four times a week. We deliver food, hygiene, clothing. We pray with them. We build relationship with them. They're not faceless, nameless faces to us. We know them. We have relationships with them. They tell us what's going on in their day or how they're doing or, you know, we, they're our second family. They look forward to us as much as we look forward to them. Um, so as you see, the picture to the left, that's our outreach van where they come and they get to make choices as to the clothing items that they want or the shoes or the hygiene or they get to choose because that may be the only choice they get to have. The second part of what we do is we have two different safe houses. They are updated, that was renovation time, but, um, they're both on the east side of Detroit. We house two women in there in each home. The women can stay there rent-free for two years. During those two years, our main focus is getting them to know their identity in Christ Jesus. It is to help them with their mental health, to teach them basic life skills that they don't know. Um, because they were never taught. Things like balancing a checkbook, cutting the grass, washing the dishes, making a to-do list and completing it. And if you're like me, type A personality, I love making to-do lists so I can check it off. And, you know, if, as I go through the day, I'm just being transparent here. If I did something that wasn't on my to-do list, yep, I put it on there just to cross it off. Um, I got issues. What can I say? <laughs> um, but... During the two years, we will help them get their education if they, want to, if they need to get their GED. First things first, we have to help them get their ID because they have no ID, no state ID, no license, no birth certificate. So that's the foundation that we build upon to help them to know who they are and the, the pride that they take in just having something with their name and their picture on it to carry around is astonishing. Things I take for granted because I forget my license most days. Um, Katrina's mission, that's me. I am separate from Ellie's house, although I do serve at Ellie's house. I am full-time at Ellie's house, start my days off at the safe house, and then end my days on the streets of doing outreach. So my, my responsibilities at Ellie's House is I am in charge of mentoring and building trusting relationships, not only with the women on the streets, but the women who come into our homes because they are so vulnerable, so fragile, so not trusting at all. So building relationship and letting them know that somebody actually has their best intentions 
is foreign to them and it's terrifying. So helping them to break down those walls to get to know them to help in their healing. And then I do a lot of driving. I take them to all their appointments, um, mental health appointments, AA, NA, group therapy. I take them grocery shopping, uh, job interviews, take them to their schooling, um, help them with their homework, and then just come up with a, a goal plan and help them to achieve that. Um, oh, we also do Bible study, and that's one of my favorite times. So watching them grow not only in who they are, but who they are in Christ is a beautiful thing. When It's just, you know, you see, I look at myself because I am a completely frazzled, broken mess most days, but it's, I don't typically recognize the transformation God has made in me, but when I see these women and I can see from before in the whole progression and watching just God change their hearts, their minds, their it, it, it is my blessing. Sorry, I got off on a tangent. So um, I guess that's pretty much all that I do there. Um, <laughs> thanks, but that's not really the good stuff I wanted to share today. So <clears throat> what I wanted to share with you is this word God has really been laying upon my heart and it really broke a lot of things in me and it's so simple but yeah it's so just wow so we all know the two greatest commandments from Jesus is love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul your mind <clears throat> excuse me this is the first and the greatest commandment and the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself so I thought okay I got this love thing down I, I love my neighbors you know, I, I can go out on the street. I can love anybody where they're at. He said, yeah, you're good at that. But what about your, your friends? What about your family? What about the ones you're in relationship with? The ones you're open and vulnerable with? The ones who you allow to hurt you? Because we're messed up people, so we hurt people intentionally and unintentionally. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but when somebody hurts me or attacks me, I go into self-protect mode and I put up walls. Okay, I'll still love you, we'll still be friends, I'll still love you, um, but I'm not gonna allow you to hurt me that way again. So then Jesus took it further for me in Matthew 5, 43 through 48. He said, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Well, there went my whole thought of loving people well, right? So this really made me think of Jesus and Judas. Jesus was fully God. He knew he had to fulfill the scriptures. He knew from the moment, I'm sure he knew before he met Judas, but he knew Judas was going to betray him with a kiss. He knew Judas was going to set him up for the crucifixion. But Jesus was also fully man. I'm sure he had some pretty strong feelings about this. I know I would. I would, me personally, I, 
if I'm being honest, I would have probably avoided Judas. I probably wouldn't have loved him as well as I needed to, and I definitely would not have treated him like I treated those that I loved. But Jesus never treated him any different than the other disciples. He still called him. He still loved him. He still poured into him. He did that so well that when it was for, when Jesus foretold that one of them would betray him, the other 11 asked, Lord, is it I? Clearly there was no distinction in the way he treated Judas to where nobody else who was in their daily circle would know. Matthew 10 once said, he called his 12 disciples to them and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. He still equipped Judas, knowing Judas was going to betray him, knowing he was going to turn him over to death. He loved him that ferociously. He loves us that ferociously. Jesus did not put up walls. <clears throat> Excuse me. He did not self-protect. We are called to be like Jesus. We are called to be imitators of him and to love how he did. So can I challenge you to come along with me and be more intentional in loving people, putting aside our own self-protection to love like Jesus? And if you're willing to do this, I ask you to stand with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning repentant, repentant hearts, Lord God, for, Father, I know I can be self-seeking and self-preserving and self-protecting, and Father, I just want to repent of that right now and just lay that at your feet, Father. Father, I pray that you would help us to love like you, to see like you, Father, to just be bold and intentional in our love for you, Lord Jesus, that we will just reach this lost and dying world, but not for our glory, but for your glory, Lord God, sacrificing all that we are for you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So now I'm going to open it up for some questions. If anyone has any questions about Ellie's house or Katrina's mission or anything I can clarify with for you but I can't really see because the lights are in my eyes. So I was just wondering the average age of the girls that come to the home. The girls on the streets? Uh, no, the ones who are in the safe home. Um, the average age, I would say, is late 20s, early 30s. We have had women in their 60s and as young as 18. Yes? How am I supported? <clears throat> by my monthly supporters, by you, by those who come beside me and donate and give financially. Tax deductible, by the way. I am in, I am in desperate need. 
you have a list here of C3 of the needs for Katrina's house? It's Ellie's house. Ellie's house. Sorry. Yeah. I don't have my we'll own call house. It Katrina. We'll call it you two. Um, I do not. That's a really good idea, though. I should get Turn together red, a Mike. list um, of things that we need, but frequent things that we go through, like water, are panties, socks, men's and women's, leggings. Um. The only thing we ask to be brand new are, are the undergarments. Um, you'd be surprised. Um, anything else can be gently used. Um, we do take clothing. Winter's coming up, so a lot of blankets, coats. Yeah, hats, gloves, scarves. Yes. Katrina, what is your daily uh, schedule like when you go, um, when you wake up in the morning on a Monday and you go, to, you go directly to the house or um, do you feed them? And then when, what time do you go on the street? Um, well, with the, this ministry, my days vary. Um, and you make plans and God laughs, right? So typically on Monday mornings, we, I, I start off my day and we go to the safe house. And we have Bible study on Monday mornings because that's the time we all set aside to meet together with the residents and with Debbie, who is the founder and executor of Ellie's House. And she's amazing. Um, and then Debbie and I meet and we go over strengths and weaknesses of the girls that we had seen the past week and where we want them to set goals for, for that week. And then if there's any, usually Monday is our grocery shopping day and just personal errand day. And then from there, it could be going, like tomorrow after that, we will go and meet a potential um, new resident, depending on how quickly she needs housing. But if we can't help her, um, we'll come beside her and walk with her and help her find the right treatment program for her. And then from there, we will go to street outreach, and I'll get home about 9.30 tomorrow. Tuesday starts at 7, again, at the safe house, but it's doctor's appointments, uh, therapy appointments, school uh, teaching them how to cut the grass, helping them do that, pull weeds. For some reason, that's a foreign concept to people these days. Um, and then from working at the safe house, again, I will have street outreach. Wednesdays, I do not start at the safe house now because, thank God, we have an intern now who will come and work with girls Wednesday mornings, so then I can just go to street outreach, then get my, my babies and come to church. Thursday, again, starts about 7 a.m., at the safe house, but then I get, when I'm done there, whatever time that is, I get to go and just crash for a minute. And then Fridays is street outreach, and that's depending on if nobody calls from the hospitals, or if you have to take a girl into treatment, or things happen and arise, so, yeah. They definitely know I'm here. Yes, ma'am. I do. It is Katrina's Mission on Facebook and Instagram. 
And when we go on street outreach, so we're typically going through 50 to 70 snack packs a day. We go out five, four times a week, so we're going through at least 200 snack packs a week. Yes, Sheila. Let's have, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, my question is, is uh, do you work in any way hand in hand with uh, All Worthy of Love? Because I know they do a lot of the same thing that you're doing. They do a lot of the same thing that we do. We are, we are in contact with each other. They do more the west side of Detroit. We're on the east side. So our outreach area, we start at Harper and Connor, and then we go back into that neighborhood go down to Chalmers, from Chalmers we go to, I literally have to do it like this because this is my direction, sorry. Um, from Chalmers we'll go to Seven Mile, over to Hayes, back up and we're out. Katrina, somebody asked me to ask you, when you go to these homes and you, or the outreaches or wherever these women on the street are, or the men that are their pimps or whatever, why don't they ever hop in the car with you to try to get away? Hmm. Great question. Um, Can you repeat she, the question? She asked why, we're, when we go out on street outreach, why the girls don't just get in the car and drive away with us. Is that a summed it up? These girls are groomed. These girls are terrified and I will give you one example. There was one girl um, who was going to leave and he beat her so bad she needed immediate brain surgery. So there's a lot of force, there's a lot of coercion, there's a lot of fear that's been embedded to them. They've not only see, had it happen to them, they've seen it happen to others. So. And then along the way, they get addicted to drugs, whether to cope and survive or as a force to keep them out there. there there's many different, it, it's, not a, it's not a linear answer, right? Because every girl's story is different, but typically that, that's what it is. Yes, ma'am. So I can give you my information, my phone number, we can, you can contact me. You can either drop them off to me or I can pick them up from you. And I, that goes into my daily schedule as well. So yeah, I would be very grateful to do that. Thank you. Dan. Do you ever get uh, threatened or harassed by the pimps? Um, by the pimps, no. It's, it's actually a very weird scenario because they will come out and they look forward to us as well, right? So it, they'll come to the van, they'll ask, it's really weird. They'll ask for prayer, they'll, some of them have given us money to go purchase food. Really, you guys gotta witness it to see it because it's crazy. But, um, but he won't buy her food. Anyways, um, tangents. No, not by the pimps. Um, there has been some not too savory moments, but it, that's just from other people in the area. So Katrina, I'm just wondering, where do 
these girls come from? Are they in Michigan? Or are they coming from different states? Both. Both. We've had some. We've had some women at um, our safe house who ICE has contacted us, who have come from the Philippines and from, from come from. Wow! Just totally lost my train of thought. No. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, she didn't speak any English. I thank God for Google Translate. Um, she was Asian culture. We have had some come from Montana, Wyoming, all over the states. Um, we had one from New York who stayed with us. On the streets, they, they come from where everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. No? Some are, some have run away, some, human trafficking is a whole process and they scour the internet looking for the vulnerable and the weak and if your children have any kind of, what's that called? Social media, thank you. Um, clearly I'm not too good at it but keep it private because they will scour and they, they will look for vulnerabilities and once they do, oh, I had a fight with my mom and my dad, I hate them, my life sucks. They'll start pouring into that and they'll feed that need that they're not getting there and they build this relationship. So 99% of people that you know, have, that we know have been human trafficked, that's how it's been and they build this trust and oh, I will come and take care of you, I would never hurt you, I would never leave you, I'll provide for you, well, then they get there and it's a whole different story. So we had girls out there from Rochester Hills, from Troy, from Clawson, from, it's, it's not just inner city kids, it's not just broken home families. It's the wealthy, it's the poor, it's the married, it's, it's not, it's, it is not choosy. Katrina, what's the percentage of restoration back to their original families that renewing oh. their families? Great question. Um, it depends. Some of them, it's not healthy for them to go back to their family. Some of them, it's their families that put them in that situation. So percentage-wise, I don't know. I know it, you kind of have to go case by case to see, you know, if, you, if your parents exploited you, you don't want to send them back to the parent who did. So it, it varies. Do you have any success stories? We do. Um, <clears throat> one of our most recent success stories at the house was we had a girl who, no, she's a woman. She just completed our program. Um, and when she was trafficked, she had no contact with her children, so her ex-husband, you know, took away all parental rights. And, of course, he didn't know at the time she was being trafficked. He just saw that she had abandoned the children. So once we got involved with her and she came to stay with us and she got to a place of healing, um, we partnered with the Joseph Project and they handled her legal, all her legal aspects and everything like that. And she started to have Zoom meetings with her children so they could start building some type of relationships twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And now she has completed our program. She has a job. She has her own apartment. She goes grocery shopping by herself. And she regularly sees her children. 
So yeah, that's, that's one of our successes. What happened to your mic? Do you ever run into men or children who are trafficked? Yes, men, a lot of men. Is there a place in Metro Detroit that works with them as well? The great question, I don't know. Um, I know Reconciliation Ministry does, but, <laughs> plug, um, no, like, when we initially will take them, because in order to come to our safe house, you, you know, they have to be clean 30 days because I am not equipped, we are not equipped to help them to detox. So we'll take them to like the Salvation Army who does not discriminate, they'll help them there. And then we'll still come beside them as they're going through the process, but help them find out where best suited they will be. Great question. If you know of any, I would love to know. Yeah, and unfortunately, now they're not just men, they're coming as transgender, so it's even becoming more difficult to try to, yeah. Anybody else? Well, thank you guys so much for sharing in my heart and my passion and coming beside me. I like something from this better. I'm more awake. <laughs> you heard what Katrina does. She is a full-time missionary. She quit her job. And uh, so she's fully, every day, engaged in this ministry. What you don't know is that, I'm just going to say it, you live, Katrina lives at a poverty level. Uh, she is just barely making it to pay her own bills for her own house and food. And uh, she'll go days without because she's so passionate about this. The church, we regularly give monthly, but she needs monthly support. And uh, we want to encourage you today to please uh, help Katrina's mission. Now, all of the giving you can give to ifcaworldimpact.com. And uh, the money will go to her. Uh, you have to go to that website and you'll see her name and click on that to link your giving to her. It's great to have a one-time gift. You want to give Katrina a gift today, that would be awesome. You can go ahead and just give that to her. If you do it through the IFCA World Impact, you'll get a tax deduction. But more than just a one-time gift, we're encouraging you to maybe, maybe you could give five bucks a month. Right? I mean, look around you. If, if, if in this group we had 20, 30 people that could give five bucks a month, that would help her immensely. And uh, again, whether you give or not, Katrina's doing what is on her heart to do. But wouldn't it be great to make it easier for her? Wouldn't it be great to support her and sustain her in this work? There you go. All right. Thank you, my brother. What you don't know is this brother doesn't have any money either. And I'm serious. That's, that's awesome. What you just saw illustrated is how the work of the kingdom is done. Amen. So this morning, if you could, please consider ifcaworldimpact.com for Katrina. You can talk to her. 
Some of you want to help. Uh, maybe some of you want to get involved in the ministry. See Katrina, and you'll be able to do that. She'll get you connected and uh, on the streets to help as well or with supplying the foods and the snack packs and so forth. So Katrina's going to be up front uh, at the end of the service for you to connect with. And uh, so let's pray for her now, shall we? Father, we thank you for Katrina. We thank you for the call upon her heart. Lord God, it weighs heavy upon her. The things that she witnesses, the things she sees, the brokenness, uh, in the world that, Lord, you see constantly, you hear, and your burden for them was that you would uh, raise up the body of Christ to share the love of Jesus. So, Father, would you uh, refresh Katrina at this time? Would you strengthen her, Lord God? And uh, we pray for the, the supplies and the sustenance, the financial support that she needs to keep going. God, I pray that you'll move upon our hearts that we would all have an answer and impart to her uh, whatever we can, Lord Jesus, and know that this is a sacred work to bring the gospel into the love of Jesus. So we thank you for that now. Bless her, keep her, keep her strong and healthy, and bless Katrina's mission and uh, Ellie's house. In Jesus' name, amen.